Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. Uh, let's go ahead and do a little bit of uh, learning here today. We talked a little bit of that brought up today around LLCs and how can LLCs or corporate structures allow you to save money on taxes. Um, so I want to share with you guys a little bit about just that one topic. But today, let's just go ahead and I'll cover with you guys a little bit about uh, corporate structure and some of the things that we see with using like uh, some of these retirement accounts with solar 401k. So can everybody see my hand here that I've written out? Excellent. Great. So um, uh, thank you, Liz. Um, looking good. Okay, great. Um, so as you guys know, right, when we talk about typically how we're working inside of our asset protection, we have our right hand of our or what we consider like to be our right hand of the organization. And if you're a, a Royal Legal Solutions client, that's either gonna be a series LLC, uh, a DST, or it's gonna be like a hub and spoke, hub and spoke model with multiple LLCs. So we typically like to use a series LLC because it allows us an infinitely scalable structure uh, through one bank account, one set of accounting records. It makes it really easy to scale and cheap and effective to scale while having maximum protection. DSTs allow us to do the same thing while abiding franchise taxes, which is important for our California clients. And hub and spoke models are typically anytime we're getting into the apartment or commercial investing, or if anybody feels uncomfortable with the series um, types of structures and wants something that's more traditional, um, our hub and spoke model is, is what you're going to do with that. And if you guys remember from the hub and spoke uh, series of the DST, it all works the same and function that you have your parent entity that you form. Then you have your sub entity. Then typically you'll have a trust here and then you have your asset. And that you scale your assets inside of your corporate structure, compartmentalize them and being able to own your entity um, as well as your assets anonymously through the trust. This is a new concept for you guys. You're going to want to download our vault, um, our asset protection vault, which is gonna have the eBooks instructional videos and other, uh, other materials that are gonna help get you up to speed with some of the basics of how these, these structures work. Um, and also joining in our coaching calls is gonna help you get up to speed with that. So this is gonna be your asset protection structure. This alone doesn't provide any, um, uh, doesn't provide any asset protection. It's treated as a disregarded entity for tax purposes. And so what we tell all of our clients is great. What you want for your asset protection is a disregarded entity. So all of your taxes can stay the exact same way they are right now, right? Or you have 100% flexibility with how these taxes are going to be treated by your current CPA. So you can protect all of your assets. You can have them uh, held anonymously. You can streamline your tax returns and nothing will change for your tax strategist, your tax advisor, or CPA on what they want to do on the tax front. Um, that's the advantage of using a disregarded entity structure for tax purposes. And that's why we use it here. Because now we have a lot of flexibility with what we want to do. If you're a Royal Legal Solutions customer, what you, uh, what you, and you've gone through one of our consultations, um, then what you've also learned about is not just the asset protection side of the coin here, um, but you've also learned about uh, another really critical piece, which is an operating company. 
which serves two functions for you. One function is that it serves is to protect yourself personally from any from from lawsuits because this is where you're going to sign contracts with tenants. This is where you're going to send emails. All your communications go through here, so that way you have personal protection. Because even though your assets are protected, you need to not be doing things yourself. It always needs to go through an operating company. Otherwise, whatever you're doing can blow back on you personally, which damages your credit score, which inhibits your ability to get financing. So having the assets protected and having yourself personally protected uh, is important from the protection standpoint. Now with this operating company, this can be any type of corporate entity. So this can be an LLC, this could be an S corp, or this could be a C corp. And it can depend on what you're trying to do of what kind of entity you want here uh, to use uh, for this operating company, because each one of these corporate structures has uh, different um, advantages um, or different, um, different implications. So what's most common for us is that we will form an LLC here for the operating company because it's the cheapest and easiest to maintain on a yearly basis. Um, but we will then use an S corporation tax election, uh, which I believe you have until May uh, to be able to uh, put together. Uh, and the S corporation tax election um, is, will allow you at that point to then take the money um, from your operating company as if it were an S corporation. So what this allows you to do is, is a couple of things. Um, one is that if you have other active income, when you have it as an S corporation, you can save on self-employment tax you end up having to pay a little bit more. Um, you end up having to pay a little bit more for Social Security and Medicare, but then you end up saving on self-employment tax, which is at fifteen point three percent. So you end up with like a, a net positive uh, tax event if you have active income. If you have passive income that's just all passive, then you don't need to channel it uh, through an S corporation. You can take that out as uh, just as a discarded entity, uh, and that's going to be a lower tax rate for you. But if you have active income, then you'll want to have the LLC taxes and S corporation help you save on self-employment tax. Now, there's another thing that happens with us as real estate investors. As we start to think about, well, how do I save, uh, you know, how can I save money on taxes with this money that I have as a disregarded entity? Um, because maybe I don't want to take the money out personally. I'm really focusing on like, how can I build my net worth? And the best, one of the best tools to be able to focus on a net worth build strategy um, is going to be the utilization of your retirement accounts. But the problem with using like a retirement account, like a solo 401k, is that you can't fund it with passive income. So what we'll do is we say, great, this operating company is actually a property management company for us. And we're going to say we're going to treat it like a property management company, such that it's going to charge fees equal to the amount of money generated in our rents for the services it's providing as a property management company or an investment advisory company. So therefore, the money that would otherwise go up to you personally and have you pay um, on this as passive income. We're going to say, well, no, we're actually not going to have the money flow out to us as passive income. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to take this passive income, we're going to run it through an operating company. That operating company is providing investment advisory services or property management services. So now this passive income that we had here is actually changed into active income. And because this is now active income, I can do things like fund my own solo 401k. 
with what is that now? Is that 58,000, 57,000, something there per person? So, a husband and wife, you can do, I think it's 58,000 this year. It's 58 um, this year and 61 next year. 58 this year, 61 next year. So, yeah. a husband and wife could contribute up to $116,000 in income into their own retirement accounts, or an individual can contribute 58,000 uh, into it. And what this means is, is instead of paying taxes here, you can now push the money into your own retirement account. Um, you can have this alongside your, uh, if you're employed um, with a W-2 and you have a separate 401k, you can still have this retirement account. Um, you can buy real estate and other assets. Uh, all the gains that are made out of investments that you're making with your solo 401k will also be a part of the solo 401k. So those, uh, any of the gains in there, um, you don't pay taxes on um, in that year. Um, and you can also loan yourself back up to 50% of the value of the solo 401k to you. So if you make these contributions to your solo 401k, you don't pay taxes on it um, on initially um, at the time of the contributions. And if you need the cash, you can loan it um, back to yourself uh, to be able to do that. Now, the gain, the total amount limited here is 58,000. So if you and your employer contribute, say, 25,000 or 28,000, um, let's say 28,000 to your employer's 401k, that would mean that you have an additional $30,000 that you can contribute to your own 401k, right? There's no limit to the number of 401ks you have. There is a limit to the total amount that can be contributed from all sources in any given year. How's it going with that? Um, Pete, I want to go ahead and kick it off, uh, kick it over to you, brother, on um, any um, uh, additional information that uh, about the Solar 401k and this S corporation uh, strategy uh, that, you th that you think that I might have missed before we um, uh, open it up? Want more information? Join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like minded people on a similar journey to learn, share, and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs. We meet weekly for an hour in Zoom to offer knowledge and accountability. Be sure to grab the link in our show notes. Yeah, for the S corporation, um, kind of the threshold that you want to look at before you would convert to a S corporation would be around that forty thousand dollars in income. So, if you're below forty thousand, it's probably would just make more sense keeping the income as passive income or just keeping it as an LLC. Um, but once you get over that forty thousand in income, you could pay yourself a reasonable and fair wage you know, which is around that $40,000 mark. And then anything above 40,000 income is when you can then do a distribution and not pay that 15% that Scott was talking about. So from an income standpoint, you want to be around that 40,000 to choose that S corp election. And if you set up an LLC, you can choose that election right when you set that LLC up if you want, or if you're currently an LLC and want to change over, um, usually you have to wait till the following tax year, unless it's before that two month deadline from when it was. Started. So one of the things I want to highlight in there, Pete, that I heard you say, thanks for that explanation, is that it's this $40,000 mark. Um, and the reason that this $40,000 mark exists is that this is a made up number here. But what that number comes from is what's our tax savings, because we're looking at saving on self-employment tax by doing this. And we're trying to say, where does tax savings equal the cost of our tax prep? into it. That's our inflection point. So if our tax savings is going to be more than the cost of the tax prep and filing, that's what I say, great. Now we want to use that West Corporation strategy and that we find that that's typically around that $40,000 mark of active income. 
if you if you aren't going to use the solo 401k here, then you just use an LLC, leave everything as disregarded and take it out as passive income. And you're just going to pay tax at your passive income rate. But if you want to avoid paying the taxes on that income, then this would be the way to do it. Channel it through the LLC, convert the passive income to active income because it's channeled through this entity and then fund your own uh, solo 401k um, with that. I think Audra had asked in here, does the, solo, does the 401k amount phase out like the IRA based on income level or is it 58,000 regardless? Um, so again, it, it's 58,000, but you have to have certain income levels. So for example, as you mentioned earlier, if you do have a W-2 job, the amount of money that you contribute to that 401k will lower the $58,000 mark. So if you put 10,000 in your at your W-2 job, you know, that 58 is now 48. But also your company, your S-Corp, um, you can only contribute 25% of your profits. So in essence, um, to phase out, you would have to be about 154, 155,000 in income to no longer be able to contribute to the solo 401k. So, I mean, you have a pretty high bandwidth of money that you can make before that phases out. But if you make a million dollars, you're still at that 58,000. If you make 200,000, you're at that 58,000. So there's no threshold that phases out like an IRA. And to pile on to that, uh, uh, everyone too, Audra, if this might be important to you or everybody else. Um, so you have that solo 401k. And so typically you can max that out for husband, husband and wife that gets you up pretty high. Um, and then also what you would wanna do, if you're above those income levels even higher, this is where you're gonna to start to look at things that are gonna be called like defined benefit plans uh, will be like an important uh, part of the discussion at that point of uh, where you can have like even larger retirement accounts uh, put into uh, place there. Um, what you're looking for here is, is that this is gonna be for self-employed income or rental income that you're converting into self-employed income through this. Uh, this is not a, uh, a strategy that you can use, to my understanding, with like your W-2 income. Like your W-2 income is already like in a box. There's not a whole lot you can do to help people save. Uh, anybody can help you save on W-2 income. So if you're, um, this is one of the reasons why being, you know, if you can choose between like being W-2 or 1099, uh, you typically should always do 1099 because the tax advantages that, and the write-offs and the deductions you can take uh, as a business owner are so much more than what you can take as an employee. And then your investments that you're making can offset your income um, that you have as a, as, a, uh, as a 1099 or otherwise a self-employed uh, person. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.